Hey everyone, welcome to the Cyber Life Podcast. My name is Ken Underhill, your host. In this episode, I'm just sharing a personal branding conference I was part of recently with different cybersecurity professionals. So a lot of us shared our insights on this particular conference. So it's about an hour and 15 minutes long, so it's a little longer podcast episode, but I just wanted to share it on the podcast as well. So I hope you enjoy it. There was a lot of good advice shared amongst the different presenters and you will hear myself i think i'm like number seven or eight on the presenter list and we all just kind of get a, gave a little short snippet of some advice and there were some also also some funny stories and some interesting stories in there as well so i hope you enjoy and stay tuned for the end where you'll hear the one and only cybersecurity rapper tamiko evans presenting her latest cyber rap welcome everyone Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for coming and joining in this unique conference, which is all about bringing your inner greatness out. See, too often, we put people on a pedestal and think they are extraordinary. The fact is, no one is extraordinary. No one is born extraordinary either. What happens is that people simply choose to do extraordinary things. They choose to do things that other people won't do. And in doing these extraordinary things, they become extraordinary. And that is why becoming extraordinary and being great is a choice. People choose to do that. Too often, people also focus on what they don't have. I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't know how to do this. And in doing so, they forget about all of the things they do have. Because everybody has something. And I guarantee you, you probably have some things that a lot of other people don't have. So if you focus on the things you have instead of focusing on the things you don't have, you will actually find how great you really are. And that is the beginning of a personal brand, focusing on the assets that you already have, narrowing that down. We don't have to be perfect because it is our imperfections and everything combined that makes us who we are. And what we think of as an imperfection may be our greatest strength. For example, in my case, some people might think, hey, this guy's name is a little funny. Dr. Mansoor, Mansoor, ha, ha, how do you even pronounce it? This is a very funny name. But you see, instead of taking that as a negative for myself, I can make that my strength. If they have trouble with pronouncing my name, maybe they will ask me some questions. That could start a conversation and a relationship. So we should never be shy or afraid of who we are. We should not be afraid of our color of our, our skin or we were born or the fact that we may have an accent. Everybody has an accent. I haven't seen anybody without an accent yet. So the key is that we don't have to be perfect, but we, what we have to do is perfect our uniqueness. That unique aura that we put around ourselves that is what we need to perfect, and we need to perfect that continuously. Our audience, is, our audience is not looking for perfection. What they're looking for is authenticity. They're looking for the real us. 
That's who they're looking for. Sometimes we cannot solve a problem that we face, say, in our own life or whatever. We cannot solve it. We may not have the authority to solve it. We may not have the resource to solve it. If so, no problem. Complain with facts and examples and proposed solutions to people who can solve the problem. That is the way of leadership. That is the way of greatness. If you see problems, make an effort to solve it. This is how people do become great. They see a problem in society or whatever, and then they try to passionately solve it. The other thing is the concept of daring to complain. Because when you try to complain to somebody, especially if it's a person of authority, you might wonder, oh, am I going to be shut down? Because it takes courage to, to complain. But you see, that courage is also leadership. It means you're interested in solving the problem. It shows the passion to make a difference. The funniest thing is, many of my dearest mentor, mentees are people who came to me with a problem and a complaint. And their problems and their complaints were 100% legitimate. So I listened to it very carefully and I realized and I recognized that this is, this is a person of passion, somebody whom I can mentor and, and, and harness that energy and that passion towards a solution. And so I have always welcomed people who have complained. There's another problem that holds people back, and that is the past. We may have had incidents in our past, maybe some negative incident, maybe our parents split up or whatever. It doesn't matter what that negative incident was, but we sometimes hold that back and we lament, oh, if only I had a better childhood, or if only I had this and only had that. Problem is that when we hold that past inside us, it's going to cloud our growth. You see, it's going to prevent us from growing further. So we must embrace the past and shed it. But we must look forward to the future and build that future while pushing that past behind. We cannot, like, ignore the past because the past defines who we are. Those experiences make us who we are, even if they are negative expenses. I can tell you experiences because I can tell you if my parents hadn't split up when I was in seventh grade, I wouldn't be who I am today. So even a negative incident can remake you, reshape you in a completely positive way. The other thing is people often are focused on Blaming themselves for a common situation, such as a layoff, actions of others. A layoff or a job loss is a very common problem. And too many people brood over this situation by blaming themselves. When I was laid off the first time, I never blamed myself. I basically looked at the situation as an opportunity to reinvent myself. Because never before in my life, did I ever have so much free time? So during my first layoff in 2010, I went on a learning tour all over the USA. I decided that, hey, I don't have this kind of free time ever. So I, I drove all over the USA, all 50 states. I have been to all 50 states during that time of my life. And it was during that time 
that I discovered what was broken in education. And that's when I also decided, aha, if it is broken, that's a problem. I want to fix it. So no sense going back to corporate America. Why don't I go into education? So that's what happened. So then I decided, okay, if I'm going to go to education, I must do a doctoral degree. So I did that. And all of a sudden, I became one of the world's first Doctor of Science degree holders in the field of cybersecurity. So I learned a lot. This is why we're also doing this kind of a session today because it's not just me. I alone cannot make a lot of difference. But if we combine with a whole bunch of other people with passion who are trying to make a difference, then together we can do some amazing things. So my goal and our goal, all the speakers tonight, our goal tonight is to make more people aware of the fact that greatness is a choice. You have to find your uniqueness, your passion, and present it to the world in your own unique way. And that is what each of the speakers are going to do. All of the speakers today are ordinary people that chose to do extraordinary things, and in doing so, they started showing us their greatness. And this is the beauty of it. When people start showing us their greatness, it also is entertaining, fun, we're inspirational, all of that. And that is what all of the people today are going to try to do. What is our goal? Our goal is very simple. Our goal is that we hope that audience members are inspired to then take the messages, the methodology, and then bring out their own greatness, but not stop there, but at least infect 10 others within your sphere of influence in bringing out their inner greatness. And we hope that that will create this ripple effect so that we can make a bigger difference all over the world. That is the goal. The goal isn't to have just one conference and do this. Our goal is to help you understand that it is ordinary people who choose to do extraordinary things, and that is how they become extraordinary. Among the speakers today, some have just started doing it. Some have been doing it for more than 30 years. When you start doesn't matter, but you have to start somewhere. Everybody has to start at zero. So you will hear from all types of people. And we hope that you will be inspired to join our movement, not just for yourself, but also for your sphere of influence. And now, first, I would like to call upon my dear friend and greatness champion, Rima Aristocrat, who has been making a difference in Canada for more than 30 years and is now engaged in making a difference at a global scale. So please help me welcome Rima Aristocrat. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Hazid. I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to be here tonight. Besides, it's a global conference. It allows me to see my dear friends and faces that I admire and I love so much. And it's Friday night, we cannot go out anywhere, so it brings us together to share some ideas and entertain each other. When you invited me to share, bring, I love this title. And if you have not, you must, must, must have this book, um, Bringing Inner Creatives Out. I said, what can I share? 
that would be interest to others. And I said, okay, we were in a pandemic. Pandemic allowed us to do something, reboot ourselves and make us to look inside and say, what have I done that it's meaningful? All of us have stories to share. All of us has done something. And tonight I thought, hmm, Dr. Hazibi talked about regrets, taking the negative and turning into the positive. And I thought maybe I can share my own story that what happened to me. And at that time, I really thought it was negative. I really thought it was a misfortune, but time showed us differently. As you said, I've been uh, 30 years with Willis College. Willis is a 150-year-old college. I was the first woman and first immigrant ever to lead this establishment. Before that happened, I was working at Willis. I've never worked before, ever for anybody. I always had my own business. But I moved to Ottawa, I didn't know anybody else. Well, I'm gonna help them to set up something. And uh, I got to know, there was only a three members, the two teachers and the director. And I didn't know who was the owner because it's a private career college, it has the ownership. And they introduced me somebody from Montreal that when he comes once a month, everybody's standing like I was a god. And uh, I did not have any fear. So I said, I need to learn why this college only has 17 women students, especially that was a time 89 and technology was booming. And I said, what is it that they do? That why can't they go ahead? Especially people were asking me, where do you work? I said, Willis College. Oh, my grandmother graduated there, my mother. And I'm going, there is a history here, but they're going to die soon if they don't have more students because they're not funded by the government. They just surviving whoever registers. So I called up that uh, owner one day and I said, you and I, let's go to a hotel, uh, have a drink, something, the restaurant there. Tell me why you're not, you're not making this incredible college more successful? Is it something you need to know you don't know? And uh, he said, well, he goes, no, I'm doing fine. I said, no, you're not doing fine. You pay me more than you're making. He said, you cannot be doing fine. So I said, next month, when you come back, I said, this is my treat. Next time you'll pay. And I'll give you the outline of what you can do to make this college successful. So it went on and off three times, four times. Fifth time, director of the college, beautiful lady, blonde, blue eye. And by the way, I realized I was only a dark hair and not blue and blue, the blue eye person working there, calls me and he said, Rima, your services are no longer needed. I said, what do you mean? I'm teaching the computers. I mean, it was office automation. I'm not teaching English. I can understand if you say that you have an accent and you cannot teach English. And I said, really? He goes, yeah. Now, I have to tell you something. I'm also the founder of Canadian Association of Immigrant Professionals. I moved from Toronto. I always was very proud of something. There is no discrimination. Nobody discriminates anything. So he goes, so you're firing me? He goes, yeah, you're fired. So I go home and I said to my uh, husband, I never thought I would say that, but I got fired because I'm an immigrant. He said that what she said that your English was not enough, good enough to teach. So I said, there is nothing I can do. 
I said, I got fired, I got fired, but I'm not disappointed, not because I got fired, because I was discriminated. I was fired because I had an accent. So, because it's a private college, I was able to talk to the owner and I bought the college. I go back, yeah, I go back next day and the Linda Kenny was her name because I thought I told you your service is no longer needed. And I said, I know, but I still need your services. And at, as we're talking, the phone calls and I know it's the owner because she goes, yes, yes, yes. So I didn't know what happened. So apparently she said, by the way, college was sold, it's now hers and she's gonna be coming any minute and letting you know. She didn't know that that would happen. So she put the phone down, she went in a classroom and he said, if I were you, I will pick up my books and leave because this emigrant will destroy this establishment. I had no idea what was going on. So everybody got up and walked out, 17 students and two teachers. And at that time, I was teaching them office automation. So they loved me as a teacher. And 16 students came back and said, what are we doing? We love you. And I'm going, oh, that's nice. You love me. I have no staff, everybody walked out. And I don't even know because I had the college in Toronto, but it was not ministry approved. So I don't know guidelines of the ministry. So the first person walks through the door and he goes, I'm a Queens graduate. Here is my resume. I said, what are you looking for? For a job. I said, can you type? Yes, can you answer the phone? Yes, can you take your coat? I said, you're tired, sit down. <laughs> Ever since then, I busted. My butt, I was working so hard because in my mind, I did not want it. anybody to ever say that emigrant destroyed this establishment, even though there was no college. I mean, who's gonna survive on the 17 students and two teachers? So um, my daughter at that time was taking the Oracle developer programming and he said, mom, you're a concert pianist. It's the same thing, keyboard, the clavicle, learn how to type. I said, I already know how to type. So what I need to know, show me what I can develop in technology so I can offer my students some skills that they can find their careers. Because one thing I did when I moved to Willis, I put a UN flag. I said, everybody will come to this college. There's gonna be no discrimination. And everybody who wants to better themselves will better themselves. So we developed the curricula, new curricula, but it's a ministry approved program. You have to have it approved by the ministry, found the teachers, we developed, and so far gone two, three years, and it's becoming a very successful. I'm the only Canadian invited to sit on a Microsoft advisory board in the US, and I'm so proud of what I'm doing. And time came that it was celebration well as 100 years. So we have a huge celebration, the media's all over, and microphone in my mouth. And he said, can you say a few words? about how did you come about to make the college from almost losing to the very successful? I said, well, it took a lot of people. I said, you can never claim it's you. You have an amazing team of people who put you out there to receive whatever you receive. And I said, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be leading this establishment. I'm very grateful to this 
tone and the support I have been receiving. And I turned around and I said, by the way, not bad for an immigrant. The first question was, what do you mean? I said, it's not important. I know that person is watching and person will know that. So 30 years later, Dr. Hazib, you told me that I told you this story and you thought it was an amazing story, but I never really thought that could be used as a, your inner greatness. So I want to thank you for this book because it teaches me, it guides me. It originally started with your cybersecurity leadership and then I moved. And now my graduates who are trying to build something, new process and new, new, new uh, projects, I tell them, read the book first. And I know each and every one of you in the audience are such a thrill to be here. I know that uh, Dr. Hazib is your mentor. And I wanna thank each and every one of you for doing your job to move the dial and to bring inner greatness that you have. I know some of you are doing such an amazing job. I can't wait to see what you're gonna be doing tonight. So thank you so very much. And for now, it's my greatest pleasure to introduce the beautiful and wonderful Napa tour to you. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Thank you all for being here tonight. I am so happy to see you all. Even with all the world greatest, the world craziness going on around, we're all here to bring our inner greatness out. Today, I'm going to talk about how I find my greatness in a bad situation. I'm going to share how to make sure your past does not define you or negatively affect your future. I'm going to share with you what I went through when I was at UMUC. At my very first class, I failed the class. I have to repeat the class. It was so tough and devastating. Why it was devastating is because I repeated the class for a 0.5%. I have a 79.5. And we all know in math, when you have a 79.5, you automatically are, were supposed to round up to the old number, the next old number. So I thought I was going to pass the class. I wake up that Wednesday morning and I saw that I have a C and I have to repeat the class and paid a sum of $5,000. What I did is I went and talked to the professor and asked him if, he can, if I can make up for my grade. He said, no. So I went to the highest level. I went to the dean and see if they can talk to the professor. But they asked me to go back to the professor and talk to him. So I went back and talked to him. I plead with him. I explained everything that I have been going through. He said to me, Nalfatu, as far as I'm concerned, you are not ready or prepared for this course, not the program. And this case is closed. I didn't allow his negativity to stop me or from proceeding um, to the next course. I repeated the class. And from this story, I've learned two things. One is everything happened for a reason. And for this reason, I met Dr. Mansoor, who has been my mentor since 
the day I repeated the class, because he was the one who taught me the class when I repeated the class. He has been my mentor since that day. He knows that I, I have an issue with um, public speaking. He introduced me to start going um, in a, um, public speaking classes and all, and he helped me out doing public speaking. My very first talk was um, Cyberforce, and I'm doing it right now, even though I'm nervous, but I'm trying. And also, it's okay for you to fail, but please do not give up on your dreams because you actually fail if you stop trying. And I want you all to always remember that great, greatness do not, does not come from people's definition of you. I'm gonna hand you over to Jesse. Thank you all. Do not crash your valued delivery by failing to listen. As a young volunteer firefighter in a rural community, I lived out the course of my days like an average person, but with one distinction. I would receive alerts by radio and or pager when there was an active emergency in the area requiring my involvement. As you can imagine, hot summer days in the southeastern United States are not benevolent toward grasses, shrubs, and trees. Rather, they facilitate dry, crispy conditions, the perfect food for a hungry spark of fire. Upon receiving the alert one afternoon of a grass and woods fire rapidly spreading toward residential buildings, I immediately dropped what I was doing, ran to my vehicle, responded, and arrived within a smoke-saturated environment. I jumped out of my truck, donned my firefighting turnout gear, fire-resistant boots, pants, coat, and a helmet. And we did what firefighters do. We pushed that fire-breathing dragon back into its lair fire was out. No more destruction. A cooling calmness replaced those fearful flames. Victory. We'd save lives. We stabilized a complex incident. We conserved property. A job well done by valuable people. But the events of that day were not over. Fighting that fire required one and a half to two hours of strenuous mental and physical energies. As hot summer days were unmerciful toward the grasses, shrubs, and trees, so that hot summer day, allied with the sizzling fire conditions and heavy restricting fire gear, were equally unmerciful to the human body. My body was exhausted. Not just tired and worn out, exhausted. Furthermore, exceeding my level of exhaustion was the level of thirst I had never known before this time. All of me was parched, my throat, my tongue, even my eyes. I felt as if there wasn't a drop of water within me. As the invading inferno departed and the suffocating smoke cleared the area, there was now before me a new mission, find water to drink. There was no, excuse me, there was no higher priority for me at that time. I had delivered my value as a firefighter and now it was time for the refreshing reward of service. Nothing, I adamantly determined, would stop me in my quest for hydration as I began the long trek returning through the woods, across a very large field, and eventually to the vicinity of my vehicle, 
hoping so desperately I had at least one swallow of water there. I exited the woods, made it halfway across the expansive field when I beheld in the far distance a group of parked vehicles. Could it be? Had the American Red Cross brought refreshments for the noble firefighters? Was this a mirage, a mere figment of my imagination? No, it was the American Red Cross. And as you can imagine, this renewed hope transitioned my weary walk into a brighter bounding. I was already imagining the water on my tongue and it wasn't gonna matter to me if, it, if the water was icy cold or if it was uncomfortably warm, any moisture would do. As I neared the gathering of individuals I had seen afar off, my attention focused on one elderly lady in particular, perhaps because she and I made eye contact with one another or quite possibly because I observed in her left hand a shimmering clear bottle of liquid that she had already extended out toward me. With her right hand, she excitedly motioned toward me from what I understood to say, come over here, hurry. I picked up my pace. The heavenly hero of hydration was before me. Life was now in slow motion and I heard the angelic choir singing. My mission is nearly accomplished. I also heard her words, take this, but I did not hear what followed her two words as I excitedly stretched out my hands to collect my prize. No time was wasted as I simultaneously tore the cap off the bottle and put it to my mouth and began gulping its contents. In retrospect, I do not recall if it was the lady shouting at me or the most awful bitter taste in my mouth coupled with the burning in my stomach that caused me to cease my diluting drink. Whatever it was caused me to dumbfoundedly snatch the bottle away from my mouth and realize that I had already consumed half its contents. At the same time, I heard the lady asking me, what are you doing? That isn't water to drink. That is eyewash. And you need to get it to that guy over there and as fast as you can. She was pointing to another firefighter 75 to 100 feet away, already accompanied by two medics. I turned my head to see them. All three were motioning for me to hurry up. I ran as fast as my weary legs and heavy boots would carry me. And as I neared, one of the medics seized the bottle from my hands and began irrigating my associate's eyes that were burning from smoke and debris intrusion. Needless to say, I was miserable physically and emotionally. Eventually, I was rehydrated. My associate's eyes were flushed with no permanent injury, and now we can all look back and laugh at the misunderstanding. And I would tell you tonight, invest yourself and your values, but never fail to listen. A washing wonder to one's eyes might be a tummy toxin to another if and when there is failure to listen. Do not crash your value delivery by failing to listen. Thank you very much. I'd like to introduce you to our next speaker, Aisha Berry. You know what? <laughs> I feel so sorry for passwords these days all the time. Being blamed for all kinds of stuff. 
They're not long enough. They're not strong enough. They need more letters. Add some symbols, uppercase, lowercase. And they cost companies so much money. And they're complicated, you know that? People have trouble remembering them. That's passwords for you all the time. They get lazy. They like to revert to the default because they say, you keep changing me around. I'm going back to my old ways like when I started off with that laptop. They get tired. They get fatigued. They get tired of being changed around. And you know what? There's no respect for password. There's no loyalty. Not at all. Nope. They got to follow all these rules, all these policies. First it was six. Then it was seven. Then it was eight. Then it's nine characters, 10 characters. You know, they get so confused. It's just too much for them. And what's funny about passwords? They like to play peekaboo, hide and go seek. So you gotta just like interact with them, you know, trying to figure them out, you know, cause they look like little dot, 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 dots all in that search bar. You know, passwords need attention. You got to bond with them. And they're being shared and used all the time. So do you ever apologize to your password? No, you don't. I know you don't. Mm -mm. There's no respect because you like to share it. None. So you can't keep them all over your laptop, all over the wall, none of that, all over your desk. Like, where's the loyalty at? You know, they're supposed to be loyal. Like, you're supposed to keep it a secret. You don't share it, you know? And they get blamed for all kinds of stuff, all kinds of data breaches, ransomware. You know, they're being sold. Identities are being stolen. Mm-mm. But because you're in a rush, you have to get someone else's password. It's just not cool to do that. You're not supposed to share your password at all. So one thing with your password is, you gotta make it strong. You gotta nurture your password, you know? You can't be so emotional when you create it, you know? They don't need none of that, you know? You have to keep it private. You don't just incorporate your birthday. It's not a birthday party. You don't talk about your dog, your favorite color, your favorite TV show. Keep your emotions aside. It's not necessary. So next time you create your password, just take your time with it. Bond, take your time, talk to them, you know, and they do get a little moody sometimes. 
Because every time you turn around, it's some sort of compromise. So it's like, oh my gosh, again, I have to change again. No, so just make it strong, make it long. It's not about the complexity, it's about the length. So my next person is Katoria Henry. Thank you, Miss Aisha. Uh, shout out to you and Rima and Jesse. Excellent, excellent story. So uh, Dr. Hasib knows me very well. If you all don't know me, uh, I'm one of the students that always complained when I was at uh, UMUC, now UMGC, because I hated to write. I, I absolutely despised it. I still hate to write, but it's something that I'm really good at. And I'm, I'm trying to embrace that, but I still really do hate writing. But I'm good at it. So I'm, I'm going to embrace it, you know, eventually. But when I reviewed uh, his book, Bringing Inner Greatness Out, Personal Branding, it, it really kind of made me take a few steps back and kind of rethink, like, what am I trying to do uh, to put my personal brand out there? And it's several chapters in the book that really kind of like had me thinking like I'm doing something wrong or I need to reevaluate the way that others are possibly perceiving me. And so I wanna share two, two specific chapters in the book just to kind of see what you all would take away from that. Uh, I think these would be relative to anybody that's coming up uh, in the wonderful world of cybersecurity, cloud security, whatever it else, whatever it is that you wanna do, you know, in the world, just period, or in your life. I think that these two specific uh, chapters are really going to touch a few people's hearts and uh, some may really want to go ahead and, and purchase the book right after you know we get done discussing this because it, it really is deep but this first chapter that I'm going to mention it's in chapter five and it's section 5.2.1.2.2 yes it's written down I didn't remember that okay in case anybody was wondering okay got it written down but Seriously, within this chapter, uh, this chapter really kind of spoke of my personal story with Dr. Seep and things that I went through when I was enrolled at UMGC. As I previously mentioned, I absolutely complained like left and right about having to write just simply because as a graduate student, I didn't realize when I first started the importance of having to write or to take on certain projects or to work in teams or just to do some of the things that I was doing when I was pursuing my master of science degree in cybersecurity. But everything that I learned then has prepared me for what it is that I'm doing today and huge takeaways all around the board for everything that he told me. And within this chapter, you know, once you all get the book and you get a chance to read it, it really sticks out to you because there's something that he mentions and he talks about exercising the brain. I know that may sound kind of weird. We're not talking about science here or anything like that. Now, what he's talking about, it's something that I absolutely kind of refused to do when I first started graduate school. I didn't want to step outside of my comfort zone. I didn't want to step out of the box. I didn't want to do anything brand new. I thought it was going to be straightforward, basically pop quizzes or, you know, regular tests in which you have multiple choice, things of that I didn't expect for it to be as hard as it was. Within this chapter, he really kind of speaks about your, your desire or your need, something that 
each of us are going to have to embrace eventually if you really want to just make it in the real world period or within your professional space if you want to grow you have to work on exercising your brain you have to be willing to take on difficult projects you have to be willing to be the one to step up and take the lead on you know uh, a certain team project or something new that your company has thought of it's all about embracing change primarily but when he says exercise the brain what you're doing is you're putting yourself out there and you're really taking a chance on yourself okay and you're getting outside of your shell you're getting outside of the norm of what you would usually do and it's really all about just kind of daring to be different i know you all have probably heard that before but i really like this chapter you know a lot the whole entire chapter five, but specifically this section, because when he talks about exercising the brain, that really kind of circles back to something else that I think we all need to hear. We may not want to hear it, but that's going to lead me up to this next chapter. Uh, that's another favorite one of mine that I think every single one of us on this call that are professionals that have at some point in our life embraced this and we probably didn't realize what was going on at the time, but I'm gonna tell you about the importance of why you definitely need to exercise your brain and get outside of that bubble and do some things differently. That way you'd have a fair shot at you know different opportunities and whatnot that are out there for professional growth. So in chapter two, specifically chapter 2.3, this one is called Packaging Ourselves for Best Value. Now, it's a lot of different ways that you can actually take that, but here's my takeaway from this. It's really, really, really fully about embracing change, just like completely. And again, exercising that brain of yours. In this chapter, and I quote, this is what Dr. Asib says, you must, compete, you must compete on value and not price. Your total value includes all aspects of your being. I really enjoyed you know, this enti entire chapter uh, just simply because it pretty much kind of lays it out there and he makes a very valid point and when and when he basically kind of touches touches very I want to say sensitive topics such as compensation biases and things of that nature and how valuable of an asset you could be for a specific team you know whenever you're going through the interview process these are various things that kind of like run through your mind you're thinking about you know, how valuable you are and that this team or this hiring manager or organization should automatically hire you, but you have to take a step back and think about how did you actually package yourself for your best value? Before you went into that interview, did you actually exercise that brain of yours? Do you have something that you can bring to the table, something that's different, a different project that you worked on, something that they would probably never expect for you to actually do, do you actually have that skill set? What can you tell them that's going to help you stand out from the other candidates that are also interviewing for this role? It's all about bringing your best value to the table. If you fail to do that, if you fail to exercise that brain of yours, then what you're doing is you're setting yourself up. I'm not going to say for failure, but you're setting yourself up for the, the various compensation biases that are out there. If you're not doing anything to get yourself out of the bubble, to be your best self, to be great, like I always say, just let me be great. 
let me do me. If you're not doing anything to try to change, to try to embrace the different things that are out there for your professional growth and overall growth as an individual, you're never gonna be able to fully package yourself and show any organization or individual the value that you have. No one's ever gonna see that because you fail to exercise that brain of yours and do something different. It's all about really kind of putting yourself out there, whether you wanna be assertive, you wanna be passive, it really doesn't matter. When you're trying to build your personal brand, you're building that for you. You're not doing something so that others can like you or others can, I guess, kind of like feed into what it is that you're trying to do. If you don't do it for yourself to begin with, you're not gonna have that community support. You're not gonna have your family support. And most of all, you're not gonna have the people backing you up that you work with that you would need to support you. And so you fail to deliver that overall package of really bringing the best value of yourself to the table. Why? Because you fail to exercise your brain. That's really all that I have, you know, uh, for this review. I can go on and on. Uh, I'm not going to do that because everybody knows once I get talking, I don't stop. But really love these two chapters here. Uh, really, really appreciate Dr. C putting us in this book and letting us, you know, kind of like air some of our personal stories out there. Like it's, it's a really unique book. It is. It's really good. It's way deeper than what I touched base on, but those chapters really have stuck out to me and I read them very often and it's some good stuff in there, some really good juicy stuff. If you guys are really serious about building your own personal brand, I encourage you to seriously sit down when you have a chance one day, read the book, find a chapter or chapters that resonate with you so that you can do what we're doing and present that information to somebody else. And you'll be such a, a much better person once you've realized the type of brand that you're trying to put out there, shall I say. But right now, I'm going to throw it over to Miss Angelina Sims to do your thing. She is ready and you have the mic now. Well, thank you, Victoria. And hello to everyone in attendance. It's such a pleasure and an honor to join together in this joyous event a celebration of the release of a new book that I would like to assume that everyone, we've all read. I'm just gonna assume that we've all read it, that we're here, over here. So today is a bit of a full circle moment for me surrounding this finely crafted, finely crafted presentation of a book that Dr. Hasib has created for us. And, uh, here we go, here is a, the, the cover of the book. And he's sharing it with us as it globally, as a gift. I don't know about you, but I'm used to the tradition of bringing something as a gift to events that I'm invited to. And since we are spread out through different states, provinces, continents, and even time zones, I figured it would be easier to share a quote with you as a, instead of a tangible gift. So, the quote I am sharing, the greatness of community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. 
That's a very fitting quote from the legendary Coretta Scott King. Many of us have seen with her own eyes or even witnessed firsthand the rise and fall, demise and rebirth of communities. For me, reading great, Bring Greater Integrators Out was about the power of using your personal brand to empower communities. So I just wanna backtrack for a moment. In 2019, I discovered Dr. Hipsey's book on cybersecurity leadership. I was on a lunch break looking for something new and interesting to listen to. And since I was very new to, listen, to learning about cybersecurity and some classes at a local university, the idea of finding an audiobook on the subject made sense. Not only did it make sense, it was the perfect choice. So I was hooked on every opportunity I had to listen to and take advantage of it. All of the principles laid out were applicable to pretty much any industry. I was so impressed that I had to look up this author to learn more about his work. And making a connection with Dr. Hasib on LinkedIn, I found myself intrigued with his well-established community after a review on the book that I wrote. And an invitation for him to his Toastmasters group and an appearance on his conversation with Dr. Uh, Dr. Security, uh, Dr. Cybersecurity podcast, I quickly found myself to be an actual member of his active and thriving community of people who were com the complete opposite of what I thought cybersecurity professionals were supposed to be. So I found myself in what was an exciting and thrilling and liberating uh, community of people. And not only did I make connections, I found myself collaborating with others on starting new, new projects. And with the release of the Bring Inner Greatness Out that was available, I knew I had to give it a read and of course, write another review. But this time, I had some reservations. Well, what was Dr. Cybersecurity going to say about personal branding? And normally, this is not a topic that people in his field discuss. So what was he going to say that was not already heard before or read about or written somewhere in a marketing industry website or a blog post? What was Dr. Cybersecurity going to say that was different? And was this just a bunch of hype with a cybersecurity twist? So it absolutely was not. And while cybersecurity is the industry Dr. Mansur Hasib reigns supreme in, this published work of his was more personal. It showed an extremely human side of him and his path to greatness. His shared lessons with his audience, his community, and the help he gives them to help look within within and bring out their inner, inner greatness was something that really just resonated with me. And whether or not some of the topics seem familiar, it comes from the approach of a leader who spent many years, many, many years guiding, mentoring, sponsoring others on their path to greatness. Other, one of the things that I appreciate the most about the book is encouragement. 
we often get bombarded with all of the things that we're supposed to do for our personal brands. But Dr. Hasib reminds us to do what works, what works for us. Do things one step at a time and take an approach that works for you, for us. We must embrace our interests and what we are passionate about. That is the tried and true path to bringing out inner greatness. Dr. Mansur Hasib shows his work with personal stories. Some of those personal story examples are here with us today as speakers on this conference panel, and some are here in the audience. Uh, Dr. Hasib's work speaks for itself with his community here today in full support and gratitude for all that he's done and continues to do for so many. His tried and true examples of bringing out inner greatness from within and bringing it out of others are a testimony of how he creates opportunities. Sometimes you don't even realize he's doing it or it's already happened, but think about it. We are all here today as part of this active thriving community, no matter what we choose to focus on individually as a community, this community that's gathered here, we are all showing our greatness through compassion. So as we connect, collaborate, and make connections, we bring out greatness in others. Thank you very much. And I am going to pass the mic to Mr. Ken Underhill. Thanks, Angelina. And thank you, everyone. So today I want to talk about three things, onions, the blobfish, and the Daughters of the Dragon. So let's start off with onions. We're all like onions, right? We're different colors on the outside, but all of us have layers to us. And really until we peel back the layers of our own onion, we can't effectively build our personal brand. Because until you know who you really are, what values you have, what you really want to do with your life, there's no way you can go out there and build a proper personal brand. So even if you read Dr. Hasib's book, until you really recognize who you are inside, you can never externally get to that, that type of person. Blobfish, I don't know if anyone's heard of a blobfish. They're extremely ugly fish with a big nose. They kind of have an ugly human face. Think of like the ugliest person you know, and then times it by 10. So the blobfish lives a few thousand feet below the surface of the water. Now in their natural environment, they are normal. They look normal. They're living their little life, swimming along, et cetera. But as the fisherman catches them or fisherwoman and they pull them to the surface, the pressure decreases. And so the blobfish starts getting distorted and that's where you get the nose and the weird shape and all that stuff. So once it's pulled out of its natural environment, it gets all weird. Now, some of us, and I'll speak for myself here, once we're outside of our normal environment that we're kind of used to, we get a little weird, right? We're like, I don't know about these people or I'm at this conference and I don't know what to expect. Or as Dell mentioned earlier on the call, I'm an introvert and I'm an introvert, which shocks a lot of people. We have to get out of our, our comfortable environments. And when we do that, others may look at us like we're a blobfish. They're like, whoa, what are they doing? They're funny looking or they're speaking funny or I don't know what this is. I don't know the terms we're using. Maybe they've got an accent and I don't understand them. So we're kind of like the blobfish. But the thing about that is as a blobfish, you need to recognize your own inner gifts, your own inner beauty. 
Because when you're pulled out of that comfortable environment and put with the fisherman or fisherwoman, or you're put over here or there, you have to be able to look internally and say, well, I am awesome. I am beautiful. And when you get up on that stage to speak at a conference and it's not your normal conference you speak at, you have to be comfortable going internally to yourself and knowing that you are a winner and not relying on others for that validation. And then finally, the Daughters of the Dragon. So there are, I'm not a huge comic book person, but uh, these are from Marvel. So if you're a DC Comics fan, forgive me. But there are two uh, women that make up the Daughters of the Dragon. There's Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. So Misty is a former detective, I think New York Police Department, and had a, had a bomb blast or something. It has like this bionic arm, right? It can punch through things, etc. I wish I had that sometimes, especially in some corporate meetings. It'd be great to just smash to the table. And Colleen is a martial artist, very special, has all these different moves and stuff like that. But together, they're unstoppable. So the thing to keep in mind, and Dr. Hasid mentioned it earlier in his presentation, when you're building your own personal brand, you need to figure out how you can help others with their brand as well. So as an example, a lot of people know me from pen testing or educational aspect in cybersecurity. So for me, I always try to promote others. And that's why Dr. Hasib and others start calling me the hype man on LinkedIn. But, <laughs> but I'm always trying to help promote others and help them build their brand because I can speak from experience, when you have a strong personal brand, it's negotiation power. And not just as an employee for a company, but also if you ever decide to start your own company, like I have, going to the table and having that personal brand and having that following can really help you close a lot more deals. And I've got a very large one in the works right now because of my personal brand. So don't just focus on yourself is the key there. You need to focus on others as well. Figure out how you can help others leverage their talents to build their own personal brand and everybody benefits from that. So with that, I'm gonna introduce our next world famous speaker, Katia Dean. Hello everybody. Oh, I just had to go after the hype man. I don't know how I'm really going to accomplish this goal, but I'll try. So everyone, I'm going to tell you how I built my personal brand. So I earned the hashtag voice of the cyber pros because I was going through a tough time finding employment and realizing that the cybersecurity workforce just needed to change. So during that time, during my layoff, I had to look within myself and say, so, you know, you really were just about work and getting a higher education, but what about yourself? During that time, I said, okay, I probably need to start to look at my personal brand. And I'm a person, whenever I post a blog or I share any type of content, even now or on a podcast, I'm very animated and I talk with my hands a lot or I have a lot of facial expressions or I smile or I close my eyes and the little emojis that was on my phone, it was a mood for everything. And I said, you know what, let me start sharing this on LinkedIn. I know it's a professional, it's a professional platform, but you know, let me just shake up some things and, and ruffle some feathers with my emojis. 
So I noticed that when I started sharing that, I would get a lot of inboxes that my emojis would brighten up everybody day and they would just look forward to what I would post next because that was just something just so exciting on their timeline. And while I was establishing my brand, I also was helping people with their resumes and making sure that people was getting jobs out there because I just know it's hard out here for everybody. And once I just started to get out there, I was actually being participated in different podcast events. So one of my podcasts, I was a guest on with Bridges and Text. Also, uh, Hype Man Ken, I was on a couple of his podcast sessions. I think he just like loved me to death. So Ken, I think I've been on your show, I don't know how many times. <laughs> and everybody started noticing me sharing my story, which ended up to me writing my first ebook, The Struggle is Real, A Blueprint to Excelling to the Cybersecurity Discipline. And the reason why I actually started to write my book was due to Dr. C. Shout out to Dr. C, because he's my mentor. Uh, Dr. C actually had encouraged me to write my ebook because he said, KT, you know, you have a lot of great content and I really think you should write a book. And I said, Dr. C, you know, I really don't think I have enough time for that. But I said, hey, I'll see what I could do. And I ended up writing my book May of 2020. Once I wrote my book, I actually had got notified in July 2020 that I was nominated for the 2020 ISC Square Global Rising Star Award. Shout out to Dr. C again, because he had nominated me for that award. And I actually had got nominated. This is my second time getting nominated. The first time they had mentioned that I didn't have enough experience, but this time go around, I, I guess I had enough experience. So I was able to win that award that I would like to show everybody since we are here so y'all could see it because it's like the best beautiful piece of art ever. And, it, and it's really, it's really big, it's heavy. But I just wanna tell everybody that building your personal brand, just be you, don't care about what anybody else have to say. And now I'm going to move it on over to Tammy Erickson. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm going to give you some sticky note tips. That's what I'm known for is sticky notes. So as you read the book, thank you, Dr. Hazib, for mentioning me on page 234 in your book. And it does have a sticky notes. I do. You can't really see it in the blue, but yes, it has sticky notes because it's really important to find a technique to work through bringing out your brand. So I'm very known for sticky notes. All of 2020, when I did questions with Dr. Hazib, I did most of every, every episode. As you can tell, I have all my sticky notes. And one of my friends said, you know that the sticky notes are real because you can see the tape on them and you can see the cat hair that is attached to the tape. So they must be real and not fake. For sure, they're real. So, you know, a tip is you're learning how to put together your brand and you're reading these things and you've read Dr. Hazid's book at least three times and you have it on your phone and you have it on any device and you carry it around every day is great. But you're also attending other areas and things that you're doing. Keep sticky notes in front of you. 
It's very important. And then you make a collection of sticky notes so that you can build your brand and you start to put them together. So that when you come to page 238, you can, or 234, you can start to put them together in categories and start building your brand, such as your bit of everything logo. How does it go together? I see Ken's probably got his logo behind him. Katia's got her logo behind him. How did that come together? Well, for me, it comes together in things like sticky notes and putting it together. So as you work through your sticky notes, sticky notes from tonight. So what did I hear from Rima? So I don't know if you can see it up here in this, uh, it's kind of hard to see tonight, but it says define your success. So tonight, what I got from uh, our bringing out your inner greatness from Rima, things that you could should and really think about defining your success for your brand. How is your success being defined? Hers, hers was, you know, being an immigrant in some strange place in Canada. My success has been defined by my students and those that I've mentored, much like Dr. Hazib. In the book, I have this little itty bitty sticky note that I've been working on. And I work on these sticky notes for about a week and try to put them together as I work on pieces of my brand. My brand is never ever finished, but it's helping people. How do I help people? So that's my sticky note. And of course, one has to go to shout out to Dr. Hazib tonight because it wouldn't be official if I didn't think of something that Dr. Hazib said in his opening remarks that wasn't really important that I'm gonna work on this week. And that's focus on the things that you have. So branding this week for me is going to be to focus on the things that I have. What do I personally bring to the table this next week that should be part of my brand? So this is when we talk about those sticky notes in this book. This is what we talk about, collections of sticky notes. And I practice them for a week. And then I put them in a stack. And then sometimes I shuffle them out. I go to other meetings and I have more sticky notes. And then I shuffle them up. But they all come together to make up different pieces of my brand. And that's how I put it together. When I get lost and confused, I pull out sticky notes, but they're very important to how I've branded myself and put myself together. And I actually just started the sticky note when I met Dr. Hazib because I was just so amazed at things that he was saying. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to do that. Oh, oh, I have to do that. Now I need to do that. I had to figure out a way that I was going to figure out how I was going to focus on all these things. So I use the old fashioned sticky note technique. So if you need any help with sticky notes, you could call me. I'm on LinkedIn. Or you can ask Dr. Hazib. He'll kind of explain it to you from the back of his book. Thank you so much. And I am honored that you thought of me. And uh, that's the history of the sticky notes and being out your integrateness. Thank you for that. And I am passing it on to none other than Tamiko Evans. Thank you.
pay a tribute to Dr. Mansour Hasib. Thank you, Dr. Mansour Hasib. You definitely set the bar high for all to succeed. Not only has you given us the knowledge and the growth, but we're taking what we know and applying it to the utmost. The caring for the people, the ethical leadership, striving to do better that many wouldn't believe. You made this possible, Dr. Mansour Hasib. I thank you for the passion you have for everyone and even me going through great lists for us. Look at what we've achieved. You definitely have been an asset and I'm sure many would agree. You should have created the phrase, sharing is caring because you do just that. Your wealth of knowledge, you share it all and you leave nothing back. Thank you very much for this opportunity uh, to do my thing. And, and I guess the moral to every, everything of what I was saying, even though you're exposing your inner greatness, just continue to learn and understand that people are out there to help you. Mentors, and then they could be a sponsor. Coaches too, but sometimes, you know, you gotta pay. So, but at the same time, Dr. Hasim has been my mentor and he has been my sponsor, you know, throughout this whole entire journey. And I truly appreciate him. Thank you. Wow. So folks, that was the prepared session. Everybody is more than welcome to now open up your microphones, open up your videos and network, ask questions, anything you want to ask of any of the people, any comments, suggestions, everything is okay.